Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. After the Second World War in 1946, a lieutenant colonel from Britain was stationed in Germany. His name was Colonel C.P. Boas. And as an officer, he went around looking at all the developments in the country and was in a place in Germany called Wolfsburg. There he went to a factory called KDR Wagen, and he saw them producing the Volkswagen Beetle. In fact, they had just produced the 1,000th Beetle motor car. And he thought, man, this car could work in the UK. It would be a real boon. So he wrote to the Board of Trade and Industry in England, and he said to them, you need to come over and look at this factory because this car could be incredible in our country, especially in our post-war. Everything's damaged. It's an inexpensive car, simple to run. And so they came over, government representatives, which is not always a good idea, and car manufacturers, and they toured the factory and looked at it, and this was their conclusion. This car will not work in England. It's not really going to be a good idea for the general population. We'll give it a miss. Well, the Volkswagen Beetle went on to be produced, 23 million of them, over 81 years. No car's been produced that long. 81 years, one model, and it is the most recognized car in the world. How many of you know some people just cannot see potential? They are blind to potential. In fact, the same is true of another British scientist by the name of Sir Ernest Rutherford, a brilliant pioneer in his field, in May 1932, the UK scientists were the first to split the atom. Not Russia, not America, UK. And uh, they discovered that you could produce energy by splitting the atom. And although Rutherford was a pioneer uh, in this field of, uh, of uh, particle, um, atomic particle physics, they, you know, they invented the first particle accelerator, that, that big machine. He was then told, hey, this is a breakthrough. This thing can be used to create power and generate electricity. And this is what he said. Anyone who thinks that it can be a source of power is talking moonshine. How many of you know some people just cannot recognize potential? Well, here's the thing. God can. And if we tap into the Lord's mind, we begin to see potential in our lives. But we've got to be connected to him, and we've got to flow with him. Er, Emmett Smith is a retired football player in America. He said this, we are all born naked into this world, but each of us is fully clothed in potential. Isn't that wonderful? Everyone in this room has incredible potential. Now listen, not just because you're a human being, and, uh, and, and we, we're not just talking about natural potential here, we're talking about in God. When Christ comes in, your life can change dramatically. And if you walk with the Lord, tremendous opportunities and potential reside in you. In fact, God's creation has been designed with potential. In every seed, there's a forest. Isn't that true? In every cow, there's a herd. In every bird, there's a flock. In every fish, there's a school. In every girl, there's a woman. And in every boy, there's a man. In every girl, there's a woman. In every boy, there's a man just in case you are confused. <laughs> in every failure, there could be success. But here's the thing. God recognizes potential, but you know what our problem is? There are enemies of potential that we don't recognize. 
And you can believe you have potential. You can believe God can do all things. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine. But if you don't recognize the enemies and deal with them, they'll prevent you from fulfilling your potential. So I want to speak to you today about the 10 enemies of potential. The 10 enemies of potential. And we're going to read from the book of Acts chapter 22 in just a moment. The context is Paul in Jerusalem. He's preaching and a riot breaks out. And then he's given an opportunity to address the crowd. And he gives his testimony, which we read in Acts 9. Paul repeats it here. And we can learn some lessons because in the life of the Apostle Paul, there were things that were enemies of his potential. He thought he had reached the top of his game, but God had much more for him. He would touch the whole world with his his uh, word and his epistles and his ministry, and he thought he was at the top of his game, but God unlocked something through getting him saved, and we'll read that now. Now, there's quite a bit of scripture to read, and it might be more than you've read all here, but I'm going to read it because the Bible is very, very important, and I don't want you to miss next Sunday because next Sunday we're going to give you a handout that we're going to use for the next eight weeks. And we're going to study the word together, and we're going to reiterate God's word. So don't miss it. But right now, Acts 22 and verse 2, Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. This man is, is astute. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison, as the high priest and all the council themselves testify. I even obtained letters from them. He had such credibility to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. But he says, about noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. In fact, that's the first thing to unlock potential. Ask God what his will is. He says, now notice what, what, the, what the Lord says. Get up, the Lord said. Get up and go into Damascus and there you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus and because of the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. At that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Again, get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Saul, the persecutor, became Paul, the pastor. Talk about a transformation. And you read in Acts 13, where his name changed from Saul to Paul, 
and he became known as Paul, a different man. He, with all his potential, God came and did amazing things through him. And from this story, we can learn what God does in our lives. And I, I think sometimes when God interrupts you, you can take it as a negative, but he's, he's trying to shake you so that he can bring forth new things. Sometimes people lose their jobs and they go through difficult things, but it is the beginning of them unlocking their potential. G.K. Testerton said this of human beings. He said, if the seed in the black earth can turn into such beautiful roses, what might not the heart of man become in its long journey towards the stars? I don't know about you, but everyone in this room has potential. Maybe you think you don't, but you do. And we're going to look at the 10 enemies of potential that we find in this passage. Are you ready? Number one, the first thing we see in the life of the Apostle Paul is our own agenda. If you are going to fulfill your potential, you need to get onto God's agenda, not yours. The Apostle Paul had an agenda that he was locked into. He believed he should kill Christians, persecute them, and he was at the top of his game. He had letters, and he had influence, and he had authority to arrest people. He was like a kind of a, 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 like a policeman, given, given authority as a layman to arrest people. And yet it was his own agenda, not God's agenda. And sometimes we can stubbornly be stuck in one gift, one train of thought, one attitude. It'll keep you from your potential. You can be in this church this morning as a visitor maybe, and you say, well, you know, I'm not into the Christian thing, especially the clapping and the screaming, but I find it quite interesting. And you walk out of here kind of like, well, I know what I'm meant to be. You need to give God a chance in your life if you're going to fulfill your potential. Don't be stuck on your own agenda. God's plans for us are often bigger than our own plans. And it's not God who's at fault. It's us who are locked in to a certain way of thinking. Number two, here's the second enemy of potential. And the Apostle Paul was in this category, education and success. The Apostle Paul was incredibly successful as a Jew, as a Pharisee, highly educated, studied under Gamaliel, and, uh, but he had been taught certain things that prevented him from seeing more. You know, you can be educated and have a degree. Maybe you've got a doctorate. That can actually prevent you from learning. I've often met pastors who run large churches, have written books. But you know, sometimes they get to a ceiling and you can't tell them anything because they've been there, done that. And you've got, to, you've got to be open to more. More. You've got to keep being open. And success can lead you into, into a place of complacency. God needs to rattle us and say, hey, there's more for you to do. There's more in you. And uh, here was this authoritative, esteemed, educated Jew, but God wanted to open him up. I love what Hugh Prather says. He's a Christian author. He says, he says, just when I think I've learned the way to live, life changes. You've got to be open to new things if you're going to fulfill your potential. I don't know what is in you, but God knows that you need to keep growing and you need to keep growing. I wrote a book called Successive Breakthroughs because we need to keep having breakthroughs every year. And I believe 2023 is going to be a year of breakthrough, a year of new beginnings, a year of, a, a year of unlocking potential. Number three, and we'll just dwell a little bit longer on this one because I want to break it up into four parts. But the Apostle Paul had this enemy in his life, and we can have it too, blindness or deception. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you can't see. There's a Japanese proverb that puts it very well. The frog in the well knows nothing of the great ocean. You have a certain paradigm, and you think you can see everything, 
but there's a blindness or a deception. First thing here, point A, is this. We can't see potential because we're stuck. A lot of the time you get stuck in one gift, one kind of work, one kind of way of thinking. I remember when the guy who owned the Holiday Inn, he got retrenched. And many of you have heard the story, I've told it before. But he got retrenched and he was so upset, he went home and he sat at the kitchen table and he was like moody. And his wife said to him, what's the matter with you? This is your opportunity. He said, opportunity for what? She said, you've always wanted to open a hotel and you've been paid out your pension. Why don't you do it? And he did. And the Holiday Inn was born. See, a negative thing, but he couldn't see past it. And his wife helped him and he unlocked incredible potential and there are holiday inns all over the world today. What is it that you're stuck in? You know, you, you don't have to be an evil person to be stuck. You can just have a certain way of looking at things. Remember the prophet Samuel, mighty man of God? The Lord said to him, I want you to go to Jesse's house and anoint one of his sons to be king. He gets there, and this mighty man of God has the sons paraded. And I want you to notice here, he, he can't see potential. He sees the potential in the wrong person. 1 Samuel 16 says, When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, and he thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And then when they got to the end of everybody, Oh, yes, there's the young one. He's out in the field, and they bring David in, and he's the king. So you can be so set in your way of looking at life, church, business, that you can't see anymore. And we've got to ask God to free us and shake us and free us from blindness and deception. Point B here under this is not seeing what God sees. God sees different things in us than we see in ourselves. Remember Gideon in the book of Judges? They were hiding in caves. And the Lord uh, appeared, the angel of the Lord appeared and said, Hail, you mighty man of valor. And he's like, huh? Who? I'm scared and we're hiding. The Lord comes to Jeremiah and says, I'm going to use you. Jeremiah's just 17 years old. He says, I can't speak to nations. I'm just a youth. The Lord says, don't say that. Because God sees what you don't see. I wonder what's in us in this room that we don't see. And I'll come to it a bit later on how we can develop our potential through people. Point C, the enemy succeeds in convincing us that we can't do it. The enemy deceives us and, and, and gets us to a place where we are convinced that we can't do something. We need to believe that God can do things through us that are almost impossible. And uh, we need to be open. I love this 14th century proverb. Large rivers from little streams flow. Large oaks from little acorns grow. It's a small beginning but we mustn't be deceived into thinking that a small beginning is not a beginning. And then lastly, self-indulgence instead of God's will. You can be so blind and so deceived that you think, you know, most people think life's about pleasure. Life's not about pleasure. Pleasure will kill you. Life's about work. It's not about consumption. It's about contribution. And the more you consume, the greater danger your life faces. And we can end up indulging, and the enemy wants us to enjoy pleasure, and you deserve it. In the end, you kill the potential in your life. People who have realized their potential have been people who have looked after their bodies, looked after their minds, and given themselves to a task. There's some gifted people in the world who failed. I was uh, reading this week about Led Zeppelin. Anyone know the band Led Zeppelin? Why do you know the band Led Zeppelin? John Bonham was the drummer. 
and just at the young age of 32, died of alcohol poisoning. You know why? He had 40 vodka shots a day. 40 vodka shots a day. Fame, talent, gifting, respect, millions of albums sold. But what did he do? He was deceived into thinking that that would bring him happiness. Many of you would know a man by the name of Vern Troyer, starred in the uh, Austin Powers movies. Wouldn't recommend the movies, but nonetheless. He was the mini-me, and at 49 died of alcohol poisoning as well. Drink, drank himself to death. The Slayer guitarist, gifted and talented lead guitarist, died at 49. Also, cirrhosis of the liver from consuming too much alcohol. Gifted, but deceived into thinking that would bring happiness. And the enemy can blind us and deceive us and cut our lives short. Paul submits to God's will, and what happens? His potential is released, and he becomes all God intends. Number four here, are you still with me? This is an enemy of potential. No one to encourage or mentor us. Are you isolated, living in your own world? I want to encourage you, when you come to church, try and connect with people. That one-minute connection is not there to irritate you. Some of you are like, oh, they're doing it again. Oh, where's my phone? I need to tie my laces. No, we want you not to live in isolation because you need people. Think of the Apostle Paul, what a great man he was before he got converted. Educated, sharp, knew, knew the scriptures. He, he, he was informed about culture. He, in his own right, he was a very intelligent man. Now God comes and speaks to him. Jesus speaks. Here's Jesus' voice. But that wasn't, an, he didn't get up from there and go, baby, I'm ready, let's go. No, no. Read with me here. In fact, God said in Acts, Ananias, go and lay your hands on Saul. And then he comes and he lays his hands on him and he begins to see. And uh, we need Ananias in our lives. It would have been easy for Paul just to get up. He heard God's voice. And go for it, but he needed Ananias to pray for healing. And you need people to lay hands on you, people to encourage you, people to give you advice, people to point out things in your life that you can't see. And when you come to Christ, there's a growth spiritually. Can, can I say the biggest difficulty is success? Because if you're a CEO or you own your own business or you're highly educated, you kind of come to church and what can they teach me? But I'll tell you what, when you're newly saved, a younger person can lay hands on you and amazing things can happen. That's why when we have a prayer team up front here in the morning and in the evening services, you'll notice Pastor Vilma and I aren't there. You know why? Because if we are, people go, I want them to pray for me. We want you to learn that anyone who has faith, who's sound in the Lord, can pray for you. Surely by now you know Rivers does everything by intention. And so we need people around us to mentor and encourage us. And notice here, Acts chapter 9, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. I love this. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Isn't that wonderful? It, and you read the scriptures in Acts from there on, it's Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul. And then suddenly when Paul finally grows into his full potential, the scriptures switch and you read about Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. But don't miss the Barnabas and Paul stage. And we need people to encourage us and mentor us. Joel Osteen, who I don't often quote, says this, God puts people in our lives on purpose so we can help them succeed and help them become all he created them to be. 
Most people will not reach their full potential without somebody else believing in them. Parents, do you see potential in your children? Grandparents, do you see potential in your grandchildren? Sometimes we can be blind to it and they, they, they need, children need encouragement, people need encouragement. We as a team of leaders in this church are always looking for potential in people to come on staff and to go into the ministry. You've seen us raise up people, Pastor Chris, Pastor Devin, Pastor Chase, Pastor Dean, Pastor Aidy. These people didn't just appear, I'm here, use me. They were mentored, they were encouraged, they were coaxed. We now have a whole young group in youth, Cameron and you, Carlito today. Great job of leading the meeting. Fantastic. We see potential, and then we coax it and encourage it, and they become great leaders. Awesome thing. And we as parents and grandparents need to see the potential in those around us. Floyd, Floyd Mayweather Jr., lightweight boxing champion, uh, uh, 50 wins, by the way. It's quite a record. Uh, he now owns a NASCAR racing team and has earned, listen to this, over $1 billion. Incredible, incredible. He said this, I think my grandmother saw my potential first. When I was young, I told her, I think I should get a job. She said, no, just keep boxing. <laughs> you would have thought that by punching someone in the face, you could earn $1 billion. <laughs> Everyone's got potential, because some of you are angry people. <laughs> we need to become Ananiases, and Barnabases, but we also need Ananiases and Barnabases in our lives. Number five, is this helping you? People, this is an enemy of potential. People who see our problems, not our potential. Do you know that Jesus went to his own hometown and they couldn't see his potential? Mark chapter 6 says he, he there could do no mighty works because they said, this, isn't this the carpenter's son? Aren't his brothers with us? And so people will label you we, we label people, can I say this? Don't label Christians who have failed because God can still do a work in them. All of us have weaknesses. On our journey, we can fall, we can fail. John Mark was taken along on the journey by Paul and Barnabas. They wanted to use him as part of the team, but uh, he turned back and Paul said, no, you can go. But Barnabas went and found John Mark and worked with him again. And later you read in Timothy, he asked for him to come. People can fail. Don't label them, otherwise you'll never see their potential. Even when they commit serious sins. Now, we don't gloss over sin, but it doesn't mean God can't use you if you rise up and go again. Encourage people. Support them. Believe in them and don't just see their problems. In the book of Judges, there's an interesting story in Judges 11 of a man called Jephthah, and we don't have time to read it all, but the Bible says he was a mighty warrior, but then it says he was the son of a prostitute. And that's life. You can, be, you can come from a bad background and have some scandalous stuff in your family, but you can still be mighty. What are you going to focus on? And the Bible says this of Jephthah, his brothers drove him away, and even the elders of the city wanted nothing to do with him, so he gathered a band of scoundrels around himself. Rejected people always gravitate to rejected people. And we need to nurture people and take them on the journey with us. In fact, let me just say this. The men's conference is coming up in a couple of weeks' time in March. But do you know what the theme is? No man left behind. No man left behind. Christians get injured, bind them up and take them with. They've got potential. Yeah, but they've fallen so many times. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but they divorced. It doesn't matter. Come, let's help them. Encourage them. 
And the Bible says of Jephthah that uh, although he was rejected, although he was a son of a prostitute, the elders couldn't defeat the enemy. And they realized that this mighty warrior was in their midst. They recognized his potential. He rose up, fought the enemy, and was promoted. And it's amazing what is in people if we can see past their upbringing and their reputation. Never label a person. Paul had incredible potential to be used by God, even though he was anti-God. You know, I think of the people in my life who have encouraged me. I would never be in the ministry today if I didn't have people alongside me encouraging me and seeing potential in me. A guy called Jack Hartland, the Hartland family of, are our friends for many years. Now, Jack used to come to my house. He had long blonde hair and he used to come and sit cross-legged with me on the floor and unpack the Bible and talk to me about existentialism and humanism and socialism and communism and all the isms and, and Hinduism. And we'd talk about the Bhagavad Gita because I was studying that before I became a Christian. And he helped me today I'm in the ministry because someone like that answered questions and guided me. Another guy called Dave Lapton. Dave Lapton was an elder in our church and he lived down the road from me. Him and his wife, Michelle, were friends of ours and took a liking to us and an interest in us. And he said to me, I'm doing this Bible study with this group in, in Camps Bay. Come with me. And I was like, oh, cool, I'd love to. And I'd go along and then he'd ask me open in prayer and close in prayer. And then, Andre, maybe just read this verse. But he was crafty because one day he found me, I, I, I won't make it from work. You know the manual well, you do the class. Well, I did the class, and they responded, and came away, I think I did okay, I think I did. He said, you did brilliantly, in fact, you did so well, they liked you so much, you need to finish it. <laughs> Today I'm in the ministry, Dave Lupton isn't. He saw potential in me, saw the call of God in my life. We need people around us. We need people around us, and we're constantly looking for the potential in people in order for them to go into the ministry. Number six, he is an enemy of potential, are you still with me? A shortcut mentality. We want to release our potential, but we'd like to do it by the end of next week. <laughs> it's hard to wait, eh? The problem with a shortcut mentality, listen to me, is this. Whenever you take a shortcut, you usually lack integrity. I'd like to be in the ministry. So you start to become rebellious. Instead of submitting yourself, joining a connect group, volunteering alongside other people. That's the route where you can be spotted and you can be groomed. No, no, I, I don't want to do, I'm not in the car park. I'm not into that stuff, you know. Put me up here because I, I can speak. We know you can speak. We hear you. See, the Apostle Paul was astute. He was, a, he was gifted, studied under Gamaliel. He must have spoken in the synagogue. He was connected with all the high people, but God did not use him instantly. There's a journey journey of humility. Remember the story of King David's son, Absalom? Absalom came from a royal family. The Bible describes him, says he had long hair like I used to have. Long time ago. And Absalom would stand at the gate and he would, how's it my China? If I were king, and his good looks, his personality, his royal upbringing, he thought he could take a shortcut to the throne. Guess what? He ended up with his neck in the tree and Job putting darts in him because there are no shortcuts to releasing your potential. He should have been like his father David, looking after sheep and obeying his father's instructions and then working with Saul, who was a bad king, and submitting to him because there are no shortcuts to fulfilling your potential. 
Miles Monroe said this, and he's written a lot on potential, fantastic books. He says, you may have the potential to be a world-class architect, but your ability does not guarantee that you will reach this level of success. You may never progress beyond drawing dollhouse plans for your daughter or designing a model train layout for your son. An important key to producing what you are capable of is spending the necessary time and effort to promote the development of your talent. You must cultivate and feed your potential. It takes time. We'll come to that in a moment. Number seven, this is an enemy of potential, not embracing our God opportunities. You know, when Michelangelo was asked to paint the walls and the roof of the Sistine Chapel, you know what he told them? He said, I've never done it before. I'm not going to do it. The church at that time wasn't like the church today. They said, you better do it. <laughs> Otherwise, trouble cometh. You could end up in hell. Purgatory. He said, okay. He mixed his colors. He painted the Sistine Chapel, and it's one of the wonders, art wonders of the world. It was a God opportunity that came his way. What God opportunities are being presented to you, but you're in a rut? Or you want to take a shortcut? You want success quickly? You've got incredible potential. I must say that when I first started speaking publicly, um, I remember the first time I spoke on stage was in the Seapoint Assembly of God. We used to have what's called open ministry. And uh, they said to me, you need, you need to speak. You need, you know, you've, you've got something from the Lord. And I remember going up there and speaking in, 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 the, in, in the Sunday morning service. And all I can remember is my eyelids did this all the time. And I was thinking, everyone can see my eyelids, but they seem to be receiving something. I'll never do this again. Thank God, I can't wait for this to be over. When I got to the last page, my notes, amen, amen. I was gone, boy. Never do that again. You, no, no, they're going to, like, they, I need this big clock to tell me, stop. Because I'm so relaxed. There's potential that you don't know you've got. And when you face a challenge, you can think that's not what God wants to do. It's not always true. There's some hurdles you've got to overcome. Number eight, are you still with me? Here's an enemy of potential, looking at our resources and failures, not God. If you home in on your limited resources and your failures, you could be an enemy. You could be the enemy of your own soul, and you could be you know, not able to see what God wants to do with you. Do you remember in the book of John, chapter 6, when Jesus fed the 5,000? The disciples said, this, one of the something was Andrew said, Lord, here's a boy with five loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? See, he looked at his resources, their resources, and the impossibility, instead of taking his eyes off the five loaves and two fish and focusing on Jesus. And Jesus took the little, it had the potential to feed 5,000 people. Don't look at your little, put your little in his hands and let him multiply it and bless your life. We were singing and worshiping at our staff meeting this week, and we did the Brooke uh, Liggettwood song. She's a songwriter and been in our church when we were in the Middle Earth, came uh, to, to be part of the worship team and lead worship, and she's written some beautiful songs. And a line from the song jumped out at me at the staff meeting, and I wanted to mention it because when we look at our own resources, we need to realize we've got nothing. And the line from the song goes like this. You'll all catch it. I came here with nothing. All you have given me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Isn't that the truth? When you come to Christ, you don't come with all your talent and everything. Paul had all that, but God says, no, that's your own agenda. That's your success. I'm going to do something fresh in you. And don't look at yourself as having nothing. Once I breathe into you, life will come out of you. 
and you will fulfill your potential. Number nine, an unwillingness to outwork our potential. You can have potential, but you've got to outwork it over a period of time. And it takes perseverance. And God will unfold your potential, but it might take many, many years. A lot of people don't want to go into the ministry because they see it as a long, slow journey. Oh, I'll have to do that, and then I'll have to work in that department. And, uh, so that's why when we do test your call with interns and people who want to go into the ministry, we put them in all those departments to see what they've got, to see how much they can outwork. Because faithful in little, faithful in much. You want to run a campus? Well, first run a department. First serve with others in the department. And so we have to outwork. And with the Apostle Paul, when we read the story and we see this man who wrote 13 epistles uh, off the New Testament, you go, oh my, wow, it wasn't overnight. He outworked it. Now, read you with me. We'll read two verses, Galatians 1 and verse 17. This is his testimony. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. This is after he gets saved. You'd think he would be ready. I heard the voice of the Lord, let me loose, baby. No, we go on. In Galatians chapter 2, he says this. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. And I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders. We skip to verse 9. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. It took 17 years from the time he was converted until the time he was finally ordained to be an apostle and preach amongst the churches. And some of us want it next week or next year or we're going to another church. No, seriously, you know how many talented people have been on our platforms in the zone, Middle Earth, this building, and then suddenly they're gone. You're like, what happened to so-and-so? No, they were, you know, they were being used as a frontline singer, and they, they wanted to lead worship, and then, you know, three months, and they still hadn't led worship, so now they're off somewhere else. And then they go to another church, and they, you know, I'm from Rivers. Oh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Now, that, will sh that shortcuts don't work here or there. And then later you find that person's left that church and has gone somewhere else. Why? Because character and gifting go together. We've got to outwork our potential. Number 10, the last enemy of potential. Has this helped you today? Is one word, excuses. Man, we make excuses. Do you know why a lot of people don't fulfill their potential? I'm not talking about South Africa. I'm talking about across the world. They make excuses and they blame their upbringing. Don't just think it's South Africa where we've had a terrible past and we've got a legitimate grievance. All around the world, even in first world countries, people who are failures will always blame their upbringing, their lack of opportunity, and they make excuses. You know what we have to do? We have to poke holes in our excuses and we have to inflate our potential. And the more you make excuses, the less likely you are to prosper, and to thrive in God. Oswald Chambers says it like this. He says, there is a potential hero in every man and a skunk. The same stuff that made the sinner made the saint. You see, you've got the potential in you. It just depends what you do and how you think and whether you've got mentors around you. 
Whether you've got people who see your problems or people who encourage you. Whether you think you're educated and successful so no one can tell me anything. It really is up to you. And if you don't, well, then we always look for excuses. I've told this story many times, but I want to repeat it today. It's called a study of education and heredity. People look at the backgrounds of people and they study to see why they were successful. And they contrast two people. A man called Max Jukes. He lived in New York State, was an unbeliever, and uh, he married an unbelieving woman, the same as him. They had a, a 1,029 descendants. 300 died prematurely. Of the rest, 100 went to jail for an average of 13 years each. The family produced 190 prostitutes and 100 alcoholics. And the family cost the government at the time in New York State the equivalent of 20 million rand. In the same state, another man was born called Jonathan Edwards, a man of God who married a believing woman, a woman of God. They had only 729 descendants. 300 became preachers. 65 were college professors. 13 presidents of universities, 60 became authors, three were elected to Congress, that's like their parliament, and one became the president of the United States. Same state, different outcome. One made excuses, one didn't. You see, if you make excuses, you can justify your failure. But if you refuse excuses, you can blossom. And the reason we're successful in life and our potential is released is not because we are taught uh, principles of potential like motivational speaking. It's because God lives in us and works through us. And when you yield like Paul did to his will, there are no excuses. You just give yourself fully to the Lord and then he works in you and through you. And uh, it's, it's an interesting thing as I begin to wrap up here today. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7 describes us. And I want you to get this today. Very important, this simple verse. Paul writing here says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. When we look at each other, we're just clay. Isn't that true? Weakness human frailty, flesh, we get ill, we get old, but God looks and he says, I put a treasure in you. And when his treasure is in this jar of clay, that's when potential is released. Stop looking at yourself and your limitations. Stop looking at others and their limitations. Look at God and continue with God and yield to his will, because it's only when you yield to his will that your potential is released. You see, there's potential, but potential can be lost if we don't follow God's will. I'll wrap up with this story here, and I think you may have heard it before. I think I may have told it before. It might be in one of my books, but it came to mind, and I thought I'd mention it. It's the story of Leonardo da Vinci when he painted The Last Supper. It took 25 years to paint, and he started by painting the, 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 the face of Jesus and the body of Jesus, and in order to do that, he went to church at the cathedral in Milan. And as he looked up, he saw the choir up there. And he saw a man and he said, I like that man. I think that man's got a Jesus face. His name was Pietri Bandanelli. And he asked him, would you come and sit for me so that I can paint? And Pietri Bandanelli sat and he painted him. Then he began to paint all the other figures. And when he did uh, the, the, the painting, he got to the last figure, which is actually Judas. And it's this figure here with this man with his arm on the table, he was painted lost. Obviously, he knew 
he would put Judas there because you can see the way the painting's done. But he hadn't decided on what the face would look like. And so he went into the streets. This is 25 years later. And he started looking for people and he saw a guy standing on the corner. And he said he had like hollow eyes, cold look, and his nose, and just these features, and he had that emptiness, and that like, like, a, like a, you could see his life had been messed up, and he'd wasted his life, and, and uh, he said, I, th- I think he's the right guy, and he said to him, I'll, I'll give you this amount of money, would you, you know, be a model for me, and he said, sure, and then uh, he, he went with Leonardo da Vinci to his studio, now, because it was 25 years later, when, when he walked in there, the, the guy said, oh, I, this place looks vaguely familiar, things had changed a bit. But he said, you know, I think I've been here before. Then suddenly it dawned on him. He said, maestro, maestro, I was here 25 years ago, but then I sat for Christ. You can either sit for Christ and be in the center of God's will, or you can waste your potential and maybe end up a Judas, betraying and turning your back on God. It's the same person, just different release of potential. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.